0: Blog Talk Radio. Jets fans I am Glenn Naughton this is Jet Nation Radio and thank you thank you to the football gods this is the final show before the NFL draft in just two days when we will finally have our answer as to who the Jets pick is going to be at number three which quarterback are they taking it's been on our minds since, let's face it, I, I think I said it a few shows ago, you know, it's, it's one thing to wait for the entire offseason for the draft, but I think every fan that that follows this team very closely was already thinking quarterback in round one back when training camp started last year. So this hasn't been a three- or four- or five-month wait. This has, been, this has been close to a year. And waiting and just I mean the reality is the waiting for the for an eventual quarterback has been decades old. But knowing that that, that was going to be the choice this year in round one, this is something that we've been talking about, you know the, the suck for Sam, the tanking. Some people supported it, some didn't. personally, I didn't because I was of, I was of the mind when I had people yelling and screaming at me for, you know, why, why are you rooting for this team to win, this, that, and the other. I said, look, w- no matter what this team's record is, whether they finish 0-16 or whether they fluke their way into the playoffs at 10-6 and or if it's somewhere in between, which, as we know, that's where, they, that's where it ended up, somewhere in between at 5-11, and my, my stance all along was that no matter what the record was, it was going to be Mike McKagan's job, to acquire a quarterback this offseason in the first round in a premium pick whether he was going to have to trade up or whether he was going to have to be sitting there and I get the whole well if 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 only we'd won fewer games we wouldn't have had to give up picks I'm not going to go over the tank mentality again but players don't go out there and try to lose and I like the fact that this team had a much better roster than people anticipated they had players do things that a lot of people said wouldn't happen. That's why, I mean, you had people picking zero wins. We know that. But that's all behind us now. And the draft is here, and Mike McCagnon did his job, up to this point anyway, and he got himself in position to draft a premier quarterback. It's going to be Darnold, it's going to be Mayfield, or it's going to be Rosen. I don't want to hear any more of this Josh Allen talk. I've, I, said it earlier, I've, I said it months ago on this show that I get it. I'm I'm I see the the intrigue with Josh Allen. But it's I, I've said it ad nauseum now. Mike McCagan is not gonna risk his job or his future on another quarterback who often struggles to hit the side of a barn despite the occasional sensational throw that wows fans and scouts and GMs and evaluators everywhere he does things that no one else in this class can do, but he doesn't. He's not a safe enough pick. He's just not. So if even if the Jets love the guy, if they if that were to happen and they took him, I don't know if you say Mike Mcagnan is is the most naive guy on the planet, or if he's got more guts than anyone on the planet. And I'll tell you what, I just I don't see it happening. So it, it's going to be Donald, Rosen, or Mayfield. How can it be Darnold? Darnold's the consensus, you know, number one overall. Some rumors today, which we know it's lying season. You have to take everything with a grain of salt. Some stuff out today that maybe Mayfield is the guy at one. I don't, I'm not going to say I completely believe it, but if you listen to this show, you know I've said many times that the Browns have a man in that room in Scott McLuhan who has a fantastic record as a talent evaluator. And he himself said that in his mind, Baker Mayfield is the number one quarterback in this class. So if he still feels that way, and if he's worked at trying to sway this Browns front office, because I'll tell you what, when I watch Baker Mayfield, everyone talks about his height. I'm going to vomit if I hear that one more time as well. But I I can't find anything he can't do well. The numbers bear that out. Whether you're looking at just his straight-up game stats, or if you're looking at the way PFF evaluates, you're watching them on film, you're watching them just on regular games, whether it's a full game from multiple angles or a highlight reel. Tell me what this guy can't do. I I, I don't I don't see it. You know I, I saw a stat the other day that he struggled on passes of 40 yards or more. When you get to that, when you have to dig that deep, when that's the best you can do this guy has a low completion percentage when he airs it out, that, that tells me that he does everything else so well that you're really grasping at straws and you just don't like the guy and you're looking for something valid to hang your hat on and say, well, he's not the guy. How many 40-plus how many yard passes are completed on average in an NFL game by a quarterback? I, 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 you know, I should have looked this up before the show, but I'm sure I saw this years ago having this argument with somebody. And I think it's I think Aaron Rodgers completes fewer than two a game. It's like 1.7 per game. So you're telling me because a guy has a low completion percentage on a throw that only gets made once or twice a game anyway, that he's a guy you can't take. That's ludicrous. That's, that's beyond stupid. He can, he can throw on the run. He can throw Roland to his right. He can throw Roland to his left. He can hit a deep ball. He can throw it in the tight window. He can throw under pressure. He can escape pressure. He wins big games. He puts up big numbers against good defenses. Everything. There's nothing you look for in a quarterback this guy can't do other than the fact he's not six four. So it might be Mayfield at one. It, w- it wouldn't shock me. I joined the guys on the uh, No Fly Zone radio. Rich and Ian over on this side of the pond doing their podcast out of Ireland. We talked about it. I said I think Donald goes one, and I was honest. I said I think it's more being influenced by the uh, by, by everything I'm reading. Everyone's everyone's saying it's Donald. Everyone in the world is saying it's Donald. So all right, let's say it's Donald. But then there's a part of me going, I, I, part of me thinks it's going to be Mayfield. I don't think it'll be Rosen. I don't think it'll be Allen. Even though you know I've said I've said for a few months it wouldn't shock me because they have. An offensive coordinator, coordinator, in Todd Haley, who works with Ben Roethlisberger, and is familiar with players like, or, you know, with the, with a similar skill set to Allen. But the more the more I watch of him, the more I think uh, I don't th- I don't think he'll be going there. I think we see Buffalo trade up and grab him at five or six, or we, maybe even the Buffalo or the uh, the Denver Broncos take him at five. But either way, either way, this is about the Jets, Donald Mayfield Allen. I'd be happy with either one of them. And let me, Jets fans, don't find a reason to be upset if it's not the guy you want. Don't talk yourself into finding reasons to dislike these guys. Every one of these guys has done enough at the collegiate level to show that they have the physical traits necessary to play in the NFL. Now, the mental, we've got to wait and see. Why? Because, what's, you know, we talk about this around draft time every year. What does every player say when they come into the NFL from college? Everything's faster. The game's faster. What does that mean? That means you have to process the information faster, and you have to react to what you see faster. Can these guys do that? Well, we don't know because they haven't played at this speed yet. So, that, I mean, you know, in my opinion, that, that's why that's why you see guys bust. Guys say, you know, you know, why, why, why do so many quarterbacks they look great in college and then they come to this level? And it's, it's a myriad of reasons. It's not just any one reason. But I think a big one is that guys you know, they, they hit that, that ability to process, kind of maxes out in college. They get to the pros, everything's faster, they panic, they can't adjust, and they, and they fizzle out. Again, there are other reasons, but I think mean, that's a big one, and I don't think you hear that, hear enough of that when people talk about, you know, why some of these guys don't last. But Rosen, Mayfield, Darnold, and once they make that selection, make no mistake about it, and I'm, I'm sure I've said this before, But the thought popped into my head a few times today as I was thinking about which guy it's going to be. Jeremy Bates becomes the most important guy in the building. That's a little bit – it's encouraging from the standpoint that so many people have spoken so highly of him. But at the same time, how often do you see an NFL coach come out and rip another guy, be it coordinator, offense, defense, head coach, whatever? They all speak highly of each other. So you're not going to get any negative criticism of him. But the consensus seems to be that he's a bright guy and uh, got a good head on his shoulders. It's a big reason why John Morton was let go. Apparently Todd Bowles felt like the best offensive mind in the building. Wasn't running the offense. He was working with the quarterbacks. So he becomes the most important guy in the building because he's going to, from, from the day they walk into that facility, Jeremy Bates is going to have... An elite quarterback to work with, or a potentially elite quarterback to work with, and he's going to have to make it work. You know, this this team can't afford another another bomb. There, they can't afford the bomb out again. We're gonna we're gonna pop over to the phones real quick. Just have uh, one caller coming in. This is uh, calling in from uh, 407. Caller, you're on the air.
1: Glenn, how you doing? It's Rich.
0: Hey, how you doing tonight, Rich?
1: Hey, doing okay. You know, I just try to chime in the last couple of times or whatever. I've been doing most of
0: my yapping on Twitter. On Twitter. Um, I, I hear you too. I, I think uh, <laughs> football fans everywhere, but especially Jets fans at the moment, um, losing our minds a little bit. And you uh, know, and, and I've said myself, you know, I, I've said it on Twitter, I've said it on here. I've gone back and forth, Rosen Mayfield, Rosen Mayfield, and then you know a couple weeks ago I've, i i i still i still prefer mayfield but even today watching a little bit more rosen I, i'm i'm happy with either guy I, I am i i can't be unhappy i i think i said on twitter earlier with you that i think that uh i think mayfield's the better fit but i think either guy could work it's it's going to come down to uh to the offensive coordinator and how they bring these guys around so uh what what did you want to say tonight and thanks for calling in well that
1: i appreciate it. i i i understand it to me, this is like a, a make-or-break uh, draft. You know, McCagnan still has that bad taste as far as, you know, drafting Hackenberg, and I totally agree, you know. Uh, they're not going to pick a guy that's not accurate. I think that's just, you know, they got burned once about that. And I know that Mayfield the most accurate passer on the board. I'm just not so – I'm just not so – on, on him you know, Tory or whatever. I think he, he's a winner, he can win, he's got the Mati and all that stuff, whatever, but you know, the, the small hands uh really plays a big part. He's his height plays some sort of a part because then that just tells me that they have to, you know, accommodate for for, you know, his lack of, you know, height or whatever to try to get him in a position that's where he can see and throw the ball. Um I I, I, I to me I just I just have a big feeling as far as Rosen you know, being you know, uh, uh, being like the Mr. Uh, Mr. Green Bay over there, um, I think he's got a, a sweet throw. A, you know, I think he fits better in which um, with with the Jets and what they might be trying to do as far as the West Coast offense or whatever, quick throws or anything like that, quick passes. Um, so as far as i concern, I I, I would back Rosen, but e- e- either one would be better than what we have now. That's just this is my opinion. But my biggest con- my biggest the only reason I want to talk or whatever because there's so much talk about the the first pick, but you know there's also other needs or whatever with Manko retiring. I just you know one shout out for uh, my favorite Jet Nick Manko. Congratulations, they're retiring a Jet. Um, so I just want to give him a shout out if he's listening or not. Well, uh, either way, but you know it's good to see him retire as a Jet. Uh, but you know the biggest thing is like um, I know you had other people you know talking about the draft. I'm just kind of curious, you know, what kind of talent is available for the rest of the draft uh, for the Jets? Are they going to be able to to beef up that O line? That's always always going to be my concern. Okay, who's back there? Whatever, if they can't block or protect, pass the tech or whatever, it's going to be a rough outing either way.
0: It is. It is. I think uh, you know one of the one of the bigger Bigger reasons. One of the most important reasons that they brought Spencer Long in, um, even with the injury history, um, he's a good player. He's you know he's not an elite center, but uh, he is a fantastic pass blocker. That's where that's where he's made his money in the past, um, and or you know, that's what he's built a reputation on being a really strong pass blocker. Run blocking is not bad either. He's got, uh, I, you know, I've, I've watched some film on him, see him really good on combo blocks, double teams, takes a lot of guys off their feet. And just an upgrade there, which is going to help immensely because let's face it, up the middle last year the Jets were atrocious. Um, we, we've talked, we, we've probably spent more time on this show talking about uh, Carpenter and Win- and Winters more than any other players this season. Um, they were terrible up the middle. Winters, we learned, was playing with a torn abdomen and uh, or a torn abdominal muscle, and James Carpenter just struggled in a you know a scheme when it went a little heavier towards zone. I think uh, you know for me personally. I you know I, I as I said before I don't I don't do a million mock drafts like some folks do. I think uh I mean we're all just guessing, but when you basically when you do enough mock drafts, you have every possible combination. Who the hell cares if you got a couple right? So uh I do too, but I have a uh, one guy that I that I mock to the Jets. Uh that they can work on the interior line is Alex Kappa at Humboldt State. Um if anybody yeah. who watched the senior bowl and uh saw the workouts and saw the game, you saw how physical he was, he played tackle in college, arms are a little bit short, so he'll move to center or guard in the NFL. I think that he's a guy that could eventually replace James Carpenter, I think, and I still, you know, I, I've said all along, I wouldn't be shocked if James Carpenter is let go before the season starts. They may want to be able to find, you know, if they draft a guy like Kappa, maybe you can let Carpenter go. Maybe you can trade Carpenter. He's not, um, you know, the Jets don't have a lot of trade chips, but if you have a team that's going to run a heavy power scheme, yeah, I mean, you're not going to get much. You're not going to get more than a seventh rounder, maybe a sixth, you know, if you're extremely lucky. But if you have a team that's really weak on the O-line and they're going to have a power-heavy scheme, then, it, I mean, really it would it be a smart move for that team because, you know, Carpenter's far from old. He's only on a second contract. He uh, doesn't make a ton of money. I think they'd be looking about a $4 million salary. Jets would get a $4 million savings. So it would make sense for a team with a weak O-line. And really, I, I think... Not out of the question, because there are so many bad O-lines around the NFL. Um, I honestly I'd, can't think off the top of my head who the Giants' starting left guard is, but I know the Giants' offensive line is atrocious. And I don't know what, time, what, what type of offense we're going to see with the new coach, but um, if they're going to have a power sure, team, Buffalo, maybe send Buffalo them Buffalo doesn't have an line either. They'd, well, Buffalo doesn't have anything. I mean, Buffalo, yeah, that's it, it's saying. tough they when, just you know, lost when you trading within the division. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great point. And Buffalo has a ton of picks. That's uh, you know, it didn't cross my mind because I rarely think about interdivisional trades. Um, but in all honesty, that would help both teams quite a bit. Again, especially the Bills, they have a ton of picks to work with, um, and that that would be, you know, that might be a good fit for them. I don't. Again, you know, I, in keeping up with these teams, you have a general idea, but. I, I I'd be lying if I said if I knew Buffalo favored power or uh, or zone blocking in their offense. But um, I mean, really, at this point, no matter they have nobody. So James Carpenter is an upgrade over anything, um, and and they're in a lot of trouble. I talked about that last week or a couple weeks ago. I don't know. Buffalo still has to take a quarterback, but my goodness, I mean, I, as much as I've heard people say we the Jets can't draft a rookie quarterback because they don't have a good old line in front of them. The Bills don't have any O-line. They, they don't have a left tackle. They don't have a left guard. They don't have a center. Their right guard is Vladimir Dukas, and I'm not even sure who the right tackle is. So that might be the worst situation in the NFL. I mean, and and I'm, that's not just, I'm, I'm not just you know, trying to rip the Bills. That, that might be the worst situation in the NFL for a young quarterback to come into. No left tackle, no left guard, no center. At least nobody proven. So they have a lot of work to do. And, it's gonna, and if, imagine if they trade up, because that's the thing. If they want a Josh Allen, and they trade up to five with Denver. They're going to have to give up three or four picks. I know they have a lot of picks, but my goodness, when you need three starting offensive linemen, you're you're reducing the number of picks you have, and you put yourself in a position where you damn near have to hit on every single one of them. And how often does that yeah, happen? I, so yeah, yeah, for, for the most a team like that. For, for the most, I, I totally agree. For the most part, uh, basically what I'm saying
1: is, for the most part, what I'm hearing is everybody wants to go. Uh, it's going to be a high defense of draft specifically in the first and second rounds, So that, that will leave a lot of, um, a lot of talent as far as the O-line is concerned in the later rounds or whatever. So uh, what do you think as far as the Jets really landing a pretty decent alignment or whatever, are they going to address that based, based on that or are they going to go for an edge rusher?
0: Well, yeah, I, you know, I think it, it depends, you know, for me personally, I'm thinking edge rusher is something they address in the third round. Um, I like uh, Komoko Ture he's the guy that I had going to them in the in the mock that I did uh, I've seen but you know the thing is with him I, I've seen him mocked anywhere from round 2 to round uh, 4 and I think honestly the round 4 stuff was, was a couple months ago probably pre combine because he blew it up at the combine uh, kind of uh-huh. solidified what you saw on film in terms of his explosiveness so he may be gone in round 3 so if, if he is uh, I really feel like the third round has to be Sort of best edge rusher. That's why I had. Uh, that's why I had Kappa in round four. But I, one guy that I like, I mocked him to the Jets, and I think he's probably of all the guys I've mocked, he's the only one I think I've seen him to the Jets in three other mock drafts. Is uh, Timon Paris out of Stony Brook, left tackle with great size, good aggression. The question with him is going to be, you know, playing with with uh, playing at a small school like Stony Brook. But a lot of what I've seen from evaluators is that they feel like he could legitimately become a starting left tackle at some point. And, uh, yeah, two or three other mock drafts I've seen him, and it's always round six or seven. I had him going to the Jets in round six, um, and I saw him actually today in one mock that had him going to round seven, and I've seen a couple others that have him going to the Jets. So, uh, Timo Paris is a guy that gets linked to the Jets quite a bit, probably the proximity. They probably figure the Jets have a little more familiarity with him, being close to the school. That's something that you should never right. rule out when, uh, when teams are evaluating players. But, yeah, I, I mean, they have to address the old line. I, I've said since, since they signed w- – once they signed um, Beach, Kelvin Beecham last year, you know, and I watched his film, I said, oh, good player, not great, good enough that you can live with him for, you know, a couple of years, but you have to get his replacement in here. And I think that's – you know, I would hope that's the way the Jets are looking at it and that they can get away with Beecham for one, maybe two more years, and, uh, and if that's the case – you bring in a guy like Paris and uh, you can work him, you know, for a couple of seasons and try to bring him along. Or there's always the possibility that they just go, I mean, they have to address edge. Um, and, you know, they, they brought Ajalana back and maybe he's the backup. And maybe looking at the way the roster is going to be constructed after this season, maybe that's their target. And maybe they know next year left tackle is the, the first round target next season. Um because we'll have our quarterback, you know, whether the quarterback they take pans out or not, he's going to get a couple years. So they know they're not taking a quarterback mm-hmm. in round one next year, try to get an edge guy in round three this year. And, uh, and you know, of course, not having that second rounder next year, but maybe, uh, maybe left tackle. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that's... That's, probably, that's probably the ideal scenario is that whatever they do in round three this year, whether it's best edge or best tackle, then the guy they don't take is, is the target in round one next year. I'd be, I'd be really happy with that.
1: No, I totally, I totally agree. I mean, with the lack of second rounders or whatever, that's, that, that, that's the reason why I'm calling, and that's the point that I'm trying to make. With a lack of second rounders this year and next year or whatever, it's kind of like almost imperative whatever that, that you try to hit with your third and fourth rounders or whatever because you're not going to have a second rounder or whatever. So either that or you either trade up. I understand the free agency and the money that's going to come to us next year. But, you know, I, I, with a young team like what we have, you know, I think Mac is doing a pretty – great job or compared to some of the others that we had, you know, prior to us or whatever, bringing in the young talent and evaluating, um, you know, you just got to try to hit with the, with the later round picks or whatever, because you don't have that second
0: rounder. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, as, as much as we've seen some people complain about, you know, giving up those second rounders, let's face it. And, it, you know, it, it, I've said it a million times, everyone's been saying it. If you hit – if you hit on a quarterback who's going to care about a second round pick a couple of years from now you know it's oh, really totally uh, agree. yeah it's you know right. that's got to be the priority it clearly is the priority and i understand the, the you know the talk with mac has to hit he's got to hit and i don't want to repeat this cuz i've said this a million times on this show too but I, I don't know why mike McCagney gets held to this standard of you know you missed on a couple of i mean hacks a little different round two, but uh he missed on a fourth rounder at quarterback, which you know, eighty, ninety percent of fourth-round quarterbacks don't work out. He missed on a second rounder. Even I, I think the number on those guys is sixty percent don't work out. It's when you start missing on those first rounders. I think that when you really put yourself under the gun. But everybody's treating. Um, and and you know, I get it. Some people don't like like Mac because everybody. We have so much access to so much information. Everybody fancies himself an expert. Everybody likes to look at the draft two years down the road, three years down the road, and and do the revisionist history thing. He should have taken this guy. No, he should have taken that guy, this, that, and the other. But, but the bottom line is that there's no more important position in sports than quarterback, and it's probably the hardest position to hit on. And I, I've said it a million times before. Ozzie Newsom didn't win a Super Bowl until his 10th quarterback. Joe Flacco was the 10th quarterback he drafted. John Elway drafted Trevor Simeon in round two, Paxton Lynch in round one, and he may very well take Josh Allen in two days. So he'll have spent three first-rounders and a second-rounder on a quarterback, and everyone's fine with that. But yeah. Mike McKagan has taken two quarterbacks, one in the fourth round, and, it's, and, it's, and people are losing their minds that this is it. But in a sense, though, they're right because the, the league is, has changed, and, and fans aren't as patient as they once were, and owners react faster than they once did. So you, you could find yourself fired if, if you miss on two or three quarterbacks. Um, so I, I get that things have changed. And I understand that Mac has to hit here, but uh I think to say that you know I always hear Petty get referenced as if he was you know you would think Bryce Petty was the fifth overall pick, and McCadn blew it because he traded up one spot to draft him. yeah, no, I told
1: look, I agree with what McCadn did or whatever these people, anybody that moves up during the draft are are gonna pay way more than than what McCadn gave up to move up from six to three. I think he he beat everybody to the punch. I think he did. Like I said, I, I think I tweeted to you before you even came on over there. I said I'm okay. With, I'm okay with what he did. However, the jury's still out. And bro, I think you just you gotta hit. I understand. Look, the, I think he, I think the, the question has to be answered. We gotta find a QB. And you know, to me, that's just. I, again, I don't mind Baker Mayfield if X Y Z are gone. And, you know, I would like to me it's Sam Donald or and and Baker Mayfield and then everybody else, but that's just that's just my opinion. I'm not the professional. They are. They make the decisions, and I I trust I I trust in them and hopefully that. But you know from the research that I've done, I've seen tapes, I you know and and all that stuff. And you know I just man, there's just just certain. I, I love what I, I think. I got Mayfield, trust me, when he took the flag and put it right there in Ohio State, dude, I loved it. it was, okay, you know what I'm saying it's rude. Or well, however you yeah, want to I call how do, it. I, I, I I
0: love the that it's from... How is that controversial? <laughs> how is that? I, I don't just, know. Yeah. I mean it's it's I think I think if it was the NFL the I would think that's like you don't do that with right pros. Right? If he takes a jet flag but, and put I, it
1: right there in Gillette Stadium, dude, I could care less. Yeah, stick it to him. I don't care, man.
0: Yeah, yeah. As, as a college oh. kid, I like if he does that in the NFL, fine. Act like a professional. Celebrate on the sideline. Yeah. Celebrate on the field. Yeah. But some, I don't. So the, the whole college game, the whole college environment, the the fans are crazier. The kids care more because you know, ninety nine percent of sure, them sure. Are, they're like not going to the NFL. That's that, that's that's the greatest night of their lives. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so yeah. Celebrate. Yeah. Go crazy. But um, it, you know, a lot of the stuff with him, I think, has been blown out of proportion. The the police video, uh, you know, it, it is this, it it is bothersome, but it's not it, it's not as if there was a trend. If you showed me he had like a couple of other in, run-ins with the police, then it's like, all right, well, this guy's doing stupid stuff and he's not learning his lesson. You know, it's like you give a guy, you give a college kid one strike to to get drunk and do something stupid. Where you know he got himself in trouble with the cops, didn't hurt anybody else, he wasn't drinking and driving, he wasn't assaulting anybody, um, at least to my knowledge. Um, so again, uh, one strike for a college kid to me not a big deal. Even the height thing, and, and I've brought this up before, and I know, I you know I, I'm not saying the guy, and I don't think a lot of people are saying that he's he's going to be Drew Brees, but I think you just you have to look at the league, and you have to look at some of the quarterbacks who have been drafted, and it's it's not. It's rare but not unheard of for these guys to succeed. And if anyone is going to, like, he's the guy. Like, you know, it's one thing if you have a guy who's got mediocre production, mediocre winning percentage, a bunch of other questionable on-field stuff, and he's short. It's like, well, is this guy really worth it?" it? That's a lot to overcome. But when you look at it and go, this guy can do everything we ask him to do, but he's a couple inches shorter than we'd like. To me, you can live with that. And as I've said, you know, and, and as we, see, we saw him do in college, move him around a little bit. Get him outside the pocket, you know, because he, he can throw accurately rolling to either side. And, and, you know, I know you mentioned Rosen with the quick decision-making. We see that from Mayfield, too. Mayfield, most accurate QB in the country two years in a row, makes the quick decisions, throws through the tight windows. I, I saw a number on him the other day because people say, oh, but he, can't, he, he had the best O-line in the country and he never had to throw under pressure. That's total garbage. listen. Well, it's not garbage in the sense he did he 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 threw under pressure rarely. But when he did, he was the best quarterback in the country. Or it might have been number two. I forget, I read a stat the other day under duress.
1: He was no, first or no, second is. in the country. He, 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 he was, I mean he, I mean, is. he had
0: he I think he, he had <clears throat> excuse me, I think he had the lowest percentage of attempts under pressure, which speaks to how good his O line was. But when he was under pressure, he was just as good. Or well, he he was if he was any, the top
1: I, I might firmly believe over there If you can throw the ball And you're accurate Or whatever You give a quarterback
0: time They're going to burn you
1: Or they're going to beat you That's his bottom line Exactly You got to give them time Exactly And they'll burn put- you And, and,
0: and that, that's why As we were talking about earlier If they do take him It's it, You know it, It's got to be about Rebuilding that O-line um, and, and even Really n- Not even the whole O-line I don't You know As I said You can live with You can live with Beecham Long as an upgrade Winters is a question mark Because this is probably the first time he's going to play in a scheme that's that's this zone heavy, and he's coming back from the injury. And Shell, Shell's solid. He's not great, but he's another guy you can live with on the other side. Carpenter is a big question mark on this o line, but uh, he's played at a high level at times. So it's not when I hear people. I've seen I've literally seen people say they needed to replace the entire o line this season. And it's like uh, – Yeah, you, no, no, you shake no. we faz off, like I Just, said, Buffalo if, and some – other... I'll, I'll tell you what. If you think the Jets should have replaced the entire O-line this offseason, then you're telling me they didn't – basically, they wouldn't have had money left to sign anybody else. Because having $90 yeah. million is great. They would have incurred about $30, $40 million in, cap, in cap penalties by cutting everyone. And then they would have yeah. had to spend another $40, 50000000 to sign five guys. So, yeah, they would have had no yeah. other players. Everybody who came in, yeah. there, there'd be nobody here. The, all of that $90 million would have gone on the O-line. On a unit that really struggled at the guard positions and center positions, you replaced the center who was the worst guy in the league. One of the guards was hurt. The other one's a little bit of a question mark. So really, they needed to do exactly what they did, upgrade at center. And, and again, uh, it's, it's not popular, and I've had, fans, I've, I've had fans get mad at me on Twitter about it. But I'm I'm not 100% convinced that Carpenter is the guy. And if he is, if they stick with him, that's, you know, I, I like the guy a lot from, you know, from what I've spoken to with people that work for the team, that he's a, you know, fantastic character guy. That's great. But he's gone after this year at the very least. So you could still look at taking a guy like Kappa in round four to replace him next year. Oh, no, absolutely. Absolutely. You always got to, you always got to, I mean, he'd be a decent bridge guy until we get the guy to
1: bring up, to come up for next year or whatever. I think we're in a good spot. I think we're moving in the right direction. Just looking forward to uh, Thursday. I'll be watching. I, I know that you'll be maybe watching. I don't know your time zone difference or whatever is a killer, man. So yeah, I'm, I'm five I, hours I, ahead, I, so I'll be pretty tired, but, but no, I'll still be up watching. I, I, I totally, I totally understand. I lived in Italy for five years. I was I was stationed overseas, so I totally understand. Um, even when I was in the desert or whatever,
0: I was watching football at one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. So were totally you at Aviano? <laughs> yeah, I was Aviano. Yeah. Yeah, I did four months over there, many years ago, and uh, I always said that was maybe the best four months of my career. I had such a great time over there.
1: <laughs> you probably there the same time I was over there, because I was there from uh, 96 all the way to 2001,
0: Then. Yeah, yeah, then I was. I would have been there in uh, 97 for a four-month TDY with the uh, Security Forces Squadron over there.
1: Yeah, everybody
0: was there <laughs> TDY, just around that yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, it it, like I said, it was it was a great time, it was a blast, and um Listen, I'm going more to come on this. I'm we're gonna, we're kicking around the idea of a possible um, draft, uh, a, a possible show after the draft, e- even if we do a half hour after the pick comes in, um, something like that well, for a quick yeah, analysis. I, I de- and
1: definitely would be nice. I didn't think you were gonna have one. I thought I, I didn't think you were gonna have a show today, or or anything before the draft. I think you, we pretty much killed a horse here and i think we're just going to you know wait until friday to to have one but hey if you're going to have one um i'm available i got to go go to work obviously whatever but uh, i'll be in jersey i was going to try to
0: stop by met live there, but unfortunately i won't
1: be able to make it um so i'll Yeah be in, that's you know, you know that, that's a shame that's more. uh
0: that's always a good time <laughs> and i I'm, thanks for mentioning that i meant to bring that up on the air um last week if he's not been out for the uh for the draft party that the jets do i went to the last couple it's a really good time I will say though um try to find out ahead of time when they're going to be kicking people out that's the only caveat this season with them picking so early. Yeah. I know the last couple of years they they emptied that place out soon after the pick. So if you're driving out there, you know, and uh Yeah, no, and you end up be
1: in some local local lo- local watering hole somewhere in uh Newark or whatever in Elizabeth and you know my brother or whatever who I don't know he lives in Jersey and he's a Broncos fan. I don't know what to tell
0: you. <laughs> that, well, hey, listen, you'll both have your picks in within a few minutes of each other that, That's the other good thing <laughs> that's right. I think I think the Jets might pick within 10 minutes, really Because if the Giants haven't yeah, traded that true. pick by draft night, they're not trading it And uh, those picks, those first three picks are going to roll in really fast I think so, I totally agree
1: Hey, thanks for take, taking my call And I uh, yeah, appreciate everything you're doing I know you're running solo and um, you know, anytime I can chime in, I, I definitely will try. Or whatever, but uh, again, you doing keep keep for the good work or whatever. I really enjoy it, and I listen to the podcast. Thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate angels. that. You, okay, you take care.
0: Much appreciate, Rich. Take care, man. Bye, Glenn. All right, take care. All right, so that was Rich, and as we know, folks, we've said, you know, many many times that this is this is the the conversation that's going to dominate the landscape but thank goodness it's only for a couple more days because I think I think we're all I think all Jets fans are on board that we're uh we've, we've got we've got mock draft fatigue that's another reason I only do two of them because I respect the fact that um you know 5,000 mock drafts in off season isn't really necessary and fans do get tired of looking at them and uh that's what a relief that's going to be you know it's 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 like you start you start wearing down these last couple of weeks leading up to the draft, and then once the picks roll in, you're all ramped up again because you got to do your homework on who they take. We got to look at uh, you know because you know I, listen, even the best mock draft, you might hit on two guys that the team's going to take. So in all reality, th- this team is probably going to draft five or six guys that none of us anticipated, and then uh, and even though we do some homework on these guys before the draft. You're not really you're not you're not diving deep on 300 prospects. Um, not a lot of people not a lot of people do that. So once the picks come in, that's going to be a good time, a lot of a lot of fun to talk about. So looking forward to that. But um, of course, as as it remains for the time being, the current crop, and um, and what do we? I, I actually had a counter. Can't find my counter. Had it down to the hours. So look, another one just the mock draft just popped up on my feed. It's just nonstop. I feel like there's going to be one every 10 minutes for the next couple of days. And uh, just <laughs> as much as I hate the instant reactions to the mock or the, the instant grades, I'm actually looking forward to those just because we know the draft will have happened. And thank goodness for that. But um, we, we've done a lot of draft talk. And uh, I will say this, something that uh, – not, not, not so much drafted players – but I think one thing that uh, that hasn't been talked about, and I was thinking about it earlier today because a couple of players came to mind, some guys on the roster, we're, we're going to go over a few names now of players who didn't do a whole lot last year um, for a variety of reasons, whether it was injuries, whether it was lack of opportunity, whether it was just being buried on the depth chart. There are some guys on this roster who don't get a lot of talk or a lot of uh, – not even so much hype, who just don't get a lot of a lot of recognition as as guys who could potentially be big contributors moving forward because let's face it you know the uh, when teams sit down and put together their draft boards, part of that equation is going to be you know who do we if we don't address such and such position, who do we have who are we replacing you know what what options what other options do we have at that spot and there are some guys on this roster who didn't play some who didn't play at all others who played literally two or three snaps. Um, and then a few guys who played a little bit more than that, but still may not get, uh, may not get any, may not be in, in anyone's conversation at the moment in terms of potential contributors next season. And these are some names. I'm going to throw some of these names at uh, at Christian Dyer, when he calls in, we're expecting Christian to call in, in uh, some point during the show. So hopefully that happens. Um, but, it, but look, look, looking up and down the roster, some names we've gone over this off season. Some guys, we probably haven't mentioned their names in months. But that doesn't mean they're not there. It doesn't mean that they don't have a shot to make this team and, and contribute, really. But, you know, first and foremost, the first name that comes to mind for me, if, if you say to me, you know, Glenn, give me a guy who didn't really get on the field last year but has a chance not only to get on the field this season but have a, a major impact. And and number one on my list is Jordan Leggett. You know, we know Jordan Leggett was taken in the fifth round last year. He came into camp, and we kept hearing that he had a a balky knee. It was bothering him a little bit. And it was, you know, it was day-to-day, week-to-week. And then all of a sudden, he's on the injury report every week, not active, not practicing. Then he practices for a week or two, and then he's active. Finally activated for a game. Think we might get a look at him, and he doesn't play again after that. He, I, if I'm not mistaken, off the top of my head, I think he appeared in one game this year, and it was basically special teams. He didn't have any targets. But this is a guy who, even though I wasn't thrilled with the pick, and I wasn't, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do the revisionist history thing. I wasn't thrilled when they took Jordan Leggett, just because I, my preference is a, a, a you know multi-dimensional tight end, not a guy who can only catch passes. And that's what we've seen from Jordan Leggett. That's what we saw from Jordan Leggett in college. Not a blocker at all, but could be a legitimate weapon in the passing game. And he's a guy that clearly, you know, the Jets liked the guy. Took him in the fifth, let Austin and Jenkins go, played hardball with him. And I I know they've gone out, they've added a couple tight ends in recent weeks, you know, in, in Clive Walford and Bucky Hodges. But those are guys that just kind of came available that they didn't anticipate. They didn't really chase any free agents. You didn't hear any news of any any tight ends visiting. So it looked like they were ready to go to battle with the guys they had. And I think Jordan Leggett, you know, big enough guy, obviously comes in at 6'5" and uh had some really good moments, it had some really big moments at Clemson. So I think they like him a lot. I think he's going to get an opportunity. Um but I still wouldn't be surprised if they drafted a more complete tight end with a later pick. You know, um there are some there are some guys in this draft who who can block you know, we can block a little bit and do just enough in the passing game to keep a defense honest <clears throat> that you could see get taken. Some guys, you know, Ian Thomas is a guy that was originally projected mid-rounder, but I want to say it was Daniel Jeremiah picked him as a guy who could sneak into the first round. I don't know if he'll do that, but I I don't think he'll be a mid-round guy. I think he'll be a round one or two guy. Um, Fumagalli, who I had going to the Jets in one of the mock drafts I did as an alternate pick or primary, Um. There are some good ones out there. Izzo out of Florida State, not not a really good not a really good pass catcher, but not he wasn't asked to do that a lot at Florida State, so he you know he, he's another he's a late round possibility, but I, I do think they like Leggett. I really do. I think that he's he's got the receiving skills they're looking for, and as I've said several times now, with these guys they've got on the outside, tight end underneath should have plenty of room to operate, um, even you know down the middle of the field, so the. the the next guy I want to talk about played only three snaps last year and then got injured. And again, if you uh if you listen to the show regularly, you know that after the draft last year when we talked about our undrafted free agents, this guy was one of my top top guys they brought in. Xavier Coleman, a cornerback. Now, not a not a big guy, not not the tall, lengthy corners that you hear about how that uh the Todd Bowles seeks out. You know, he's five eleven. But he's more of a nickel guy out of a smaller school, Portland State, um, and a guy who, again, we, we were really excited about when he came in as an undrafted free agent. He missed the first few preseason games, which, I mean, let's face it, if you're an undrafted guy and you can't get on the field, chances are you're not making the roster. Um, and he didn't get on the field until the final preseason game, but he played pretty well. He was added to the practice squad. Um, early, well, sort of toward the middle of the season, around week six. Actually, it was week six. He was activated, and he was going to play the nickel. um, And, you know, whether or not he was going to switch out with Buster Screen, we don't know what the full plan was because he didn't last very long. Three plays, and then he was out and injured and placed on injured reserve. But this team still doesn't have a a legitimate established nickel corner on the roster. People say that Buster Screen is – He's not. He's better on the outside than he is on the nickel. People find that hard to believe because he gets so many penalties on the outside, but we've seen him play at a high level on the outside at times. Um, move him inside to nickel, he's just – he. for me, he doesn't do it. I've talked to a lot of people who, you know, who follow this team very closely, and uh, and they tend to agree. And I, I think that if you if you watch him closely enough, and even if you look at his breakdowns on, you know – some some of the stat sites, whether it's inside the pylon or PFF, they show that he you know he, he hasn't been a great nickel corner, and 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 he's a guy who's probably you know he, he's got one year left on his deal anyway, so they're going to need somebody to step up and replace uh, Buster. Not even step up, they're just going to need a nickel corner on this roster. I mean, preferably this year. In all honesty, um, I don't know if that'll happen, but I don't know if he'll take that many snaps from screen. But I think he's a guy that just can look at and say. We can keep him on board, work him in spot duty, and then, you know, next year he becomes the nickel guy. Uh, you know, again, if he plays well enough. But I think just, just when you see when you see an undrafted guy stick on a 53 after missing three out of four preseason games and missing a ton of practice time, that tells you the team liked something they saw out of him. And they clearly liked Xavier Coleman. They activated him. And who knows if he hadn't gotten hurt, maybe he's a regular guy for the, the final ten weeks of the season. As it turns out, he got himself injured and, uh, and that doesn't, you know, it doesn't really, it didn't work out. So what we're going to do right now, we're going to go back to the phones. And uh, we have Christian Dyer joining us. He was with us last week. We're going to talk again today about, uh, about some draft picks and uh, and, and some, of these, some of these names that I've been mentioning. Let's, uh, you know, bring them on board or bring some of those names up to Christian, see if he has any thoughts. Because, again, a lot of these guys are guys who didn't play a whole lot last year but I wouldn't be shocked if we see an expanded role out of them next season. So, uh, Christian, are you with us? I am. Hey, thanks so much for
1: calling in.
2: No, my 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 pleasure. Looking forward to talking some draft and, you know, seeing what the Jets end up doing with that number three pick.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, Christian, I think I mentioned it last week, and it really is, I know for me personally, I know a lot of Jets fans just draft fatigue, mock draft fatigue, and it really, you know, around this time, those last couple of weeks, the, the all the excitement actually starts to die down until probably draft days when it ramps back up. But then once those picks start rolling in, everyone gets excited again, and we have another couple months of material and, and content to discuss. But um, well, it's just something to run by you real quick. I can't remember if I mentioned it with you last week. I know I brought it up on the show. You know, we know that this is the the, the season of smoke screens and lies and this, that, and the other doesn't mean everything is a lie in a smokescreen. Some of it does come to fruition. But uh, I saw a couple stories today, a couple tweets that now, you know, the, the Browns are now trying to trying to feign interest in Baker Mayfield at number one. Um, not sure if you're aware because it didn't it didn't get as much publicity as I thought. And, and surprisingly, I haven't heard it mentioned much since. So it's kind of an under-the-radar thing that didn't seem to get a, as much publicity as I thought it may have. But uh, Scott McLuhan, who's now working in that front office with Cleveland, um, between jobs, you know, when he was let go from Washington and he was sort of, you know, independently evaluating and, and doing interviews and shows and podcasts, I did hear him say a couple months ago that in his mind, Baker Mayfield was hands down the best quarterback in this draft. Um, now they've brought in a lot of names in that room. They, You know, they've they brought in a couple former GMs, some heavy hitters. Um, but if Scott McLuhan has has the GM's ear and if he's if he's got any clout in there, I don't think it's as far-fetched as some people do. I'm seeing a lot of people dismiss it out of hand and say, no way, smokescreen, not happening. And I'm looking at it going, well, we do know one guy in that room thought he was the best in the draft. So do you think that's at all possible, that Baker Mayfield goes number one overall?
2: Well, I mean, it it would certainly be interesting. This is about the time when you start to see some of the smoke screens uh, evaporate just a little bit and you begin to get a sense of perhaps where a team, you know, more or less is aligning their draft board. You talk to people around the league and they'll tell you that Baker Mayfield is the best quarterback right now. The only knock on him is going to be uh, if his size is going to limit him because he's not going to be one of those guys. You know, he's, he's not a Drew Brees necessarily with the arm strength but he's got the accuracy. He's got the completion percentage. I love the way that this kid leads his receivers down the field. I, I think one of the indictments of Mark Sanchez and even more so Gino Smith, when people would watch them in practice, they'd say, oh, another completion. Oh, another completion. And you're watching a, a rookie Mark Sanchez or a rookie Gino. And I remember thinking, well, you know, having seen Brett Favre the year before, what Brett Favre did such a good job of was putting it in the receiver stride, putting the ball right in there. And I kept seeing in Gino in particular, he was throwing behind his receivers. They had to make adjustment and in in a game of inches in a league of inches to me, somebody like Baker Mayfield who can put there where the receiver can take the ball and continue to go downfield and stretch what could be an eight yard gain into a 12 yard gain or a really big play. Is invaluable. Uh, I, I know, having spoken a couple weeks ago with Dan Shanka from dot com, and you know, I know a lot of people spend time on on different recruiting websites and, and, and drafting websites and so on and so forth. And there's a lot of good ones out there. But to me, uh, the work that Dan Shanka does, a former scout in the NFL, worked for several teams, uh, including in the USFL, uh, a league whose who's very lifeblood was finding and developing young players and sent quite a few to the NFL when they folded. He, he told me hands down that Baker Mayfield was the number one pick in his eyes. He was the best quarterback. And if the Jets had the opportunity to draft him, doesn't matter who else was there if it was Saquon Barkley if it was Sam Darnold if it was Josh Allen didn't really matter to him to to him Baker Mayfield was the complete package someone who might need a little bit of seasoning but was going to turn out to be the best quarterback out of the four or five that we could see go in the first round so I think it goes a little bit against what Cleveland might do. I also think that the physicality uh, and the climate of Cleveland might be a challenge for Baker Mayfield. If the guy doesn't have the strong arm. He's going to be throwing into that wind an awful lot into the cold. With all that being said, though, uh, I, I think Baker Mayfield is a top quarterback. Not sure if the Browns are going to go for him. Keep in mind, this was the team that, bypassed Carson Wentz two years ago, and I think Mayfield might be seen as a little bit of a reach. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they end up going with a Josh Allen type, someone who fits a little bit more of that Carson Wentz mold than uh, maybe Mayfield
0: does. Yeah, I think the thing for me at this point, and I, I've mentioned the, the possibility of Allen there, and I think that the thing that, that kind of makes me think that is a possibility is you look at the fact that they've got Haley calling the plays there now, and he just had a big, strong, mobile quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger. Um, and, he, you know, he may see some of those same traits in Allen. Um, kind of along the lines of, I've said a few times, I, I don't think Allen falls past five. I think John Elway, unless the Denver Broncos trade down, I think John Elway looks at Josh Allen and says, well, that was me. You know, I was that guy. I could run. I could throw at 80 yards. and uh, And I struggled with accuracy earlier in my career. So I think sometimes – GMs and evaluators, for those that are former players, will will sometimes lean toward players that remind them of themselves um, because they've been there and they've yeah. done it. And, you know, he won a couple of Super Bowls. So it's, yeah. good, it's an interesting good, good dynamic there, there. But,
2: but, the, but the, the knock on Allen is going to be he can throw it over the mountain, but he may not be able to hit the mountain sitting right in front of him. And, uh, you know, jo- Josh Allen is going to be, I think, a good quarterback. I'm not sure he's worthy of the number one pick. If he were to fall to four or five, and depending on on where Denver ends up sitting when it's all said and done, I think it could be a very interesting landing spot for them. But I think the best-case scenario for Josh Allen would be to go someplace where he could sit and develop for a year or two. I'm not sure he's going to be a perennial Pro Bowl-type quarterback, but those who are saying he's going to be Ryan Leaf, he's going to be a bust, I think that's going to be a little bit of an overstatement right there. Josh Allen has an awful lot of good tools to work with. If he can cut back on the mistakes and the interceptions and and, and really get some high-level coaching and be developed, um, I think Josh Allen could be a good NFL quarterback. But, again, with it all, you know, the way it all kind of shakes out, I would have a hard time seeing any NFL talent evaluator saying that Josh Allen is more valuable than Baker Mayfield as it stands right now.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think I think all the other quarterbacks are are more ready to to be productive at this moment. But um, some some talk some talk you're seeing on Twitter now from multiple different sources, some some more credible than others, but definitely enough to to make it believable. Um, and it's one more reason that, and I know I talked about it quite a bit last week. Um, another reason I was that happy that, that McCagnan pulled the trigger on his deal when he did, because now as the draft is approaching. Reports that the Bills have made multiple offers of multiple picks to the Giants to move up to two, and the Giants have been unwilling. And now some talk that the Arizona Cardinals are desperately trying to move up and grab a quarterback. So, what do you think the Giants do at two? And do you think there's do you think there's a chance that they part with that pick, or is there are, are they are they trying to just bleed every every ounce of comp, uh, compensation? they can out of these teams by waiting till the last minute or are they legitimately basically saying it's going to take you're going to have to give us the farm to get us to budge um, from this spot
2: you know what? The Giants really hold the key to so much of what other teams are going to do in this draft. You have to like the position that they're in. And I know uh, being on a Jets show and then talking with Jets fans, that, that's something that's absolutely nauseating to kind of have to rely on what the Giants are doing across town, but they really do hold the key. You've got to what it's the Jets re- are hey, you talk about the reality like, of it, right? It is. It, it is the reality of it. You're, you're absolutely right. And, uh, the Giants aren't in a great position because at three and thirteen, they're better than their record suggested last year. When you look at the pieces they have in place, they've got a four-time Pro Bowl quarterback who's twice won uh, Super Bowl MVP. Yes, he's on the downside of his career, but a, a season ago, this guy was throwing for four thousand yards and a, a two-to-one touchdown-to-interception ratio. I think a lot of teams, including the Jets, would have would, would love to have a quarterback with that type of production. They have a perennial pro bowler, at wide receiver. They've got a number two wide receiver who who is young and exciting, a first-round pick at tight end last year, who stepped up and developed and is great down the field. They were able to bring on board um, some good offensive line help in terms of Solder and Omima. And then defensively, they probably took a step back in this offseason. They had to make some moves. But uh, they're certainly not a horrific unit on defense, probably very average, very plebeian overall. So they're sitting there in the position where they can juggle and say, well, if we really love a quarterback, we can take someone, let them sit and develop behind Eli Manning for the next two years, and when Manning's contract is up in 2019, move on. Or we can take a running back to augment an offense and a ground game that's been worse than the NFL the past two years. Or we can trade back and really throw this rebuild uh, into overdrive, get three, four, five, potential starters certainly uh too too deep type of depth uh, um with those types of picks to me i think the giants are going to be very interested in moving back in the draft and the closer we get to thursday the more teams are going to be likely to overpay look at what philadelphia uh did to get carson wentz that's a that's a very rare instance where trading up as they did actually paid off but You know, I I think a team like Buffalo may re-enter the fray at some point. They may be trying to drive their end price down by throwing that out there. I thought that was a bit curious today that it came out that they've removed themselves from talk of of moving up in the draft. They've got two first-round picks, two picks in the second, two picks in the third, and the fourth. And if I was the Giants and I mine picks there, I believe it's like 12, 13, 14, somewhere around there in the first round. And then uh, in the early 20s, you could get two starters, perhaps an offensive lineman and a pass rusher to replace Jason Pierre-Paul. I would be absolutely ecstatic. And then to be able to have three picks uh, in the second round and another three picks in the third round for a total of eight picks in the top 90, uh, I think it'd actually be in the top 85 or so in the draft, that's a really, really fascinating way to go through a rebuild for a team that two years ago was 11-5. and and returns the vast chunk of those playmakers. Also keep in mind, the Giants are going to have to re-sign Odell Beckham Jr. or Franchise Tagham. Either way, more money next year, and the same case for Landon Collins as well, who to me is more valuable to the Giants than Beckham is. So being able to bring on bunch on board a bunch of draft picks to kind of keep costs down for the next few years, fill out the squad, they desperately need to get younger. In my opinion, I think treating back would be very, very, very shrewd of the Giants and the first-year general manager and Dave Gettleman.
0: Yeah, I, I think that bears watching I I find it the, – the, the two things that, that we keep hearing about the Giants is is that, you know, they, they want Barkley and they don't want to trade back. Um, and I, I feel like the, the best thing for them would be take a quarterback or trade back. Um, but time will tell. But you mentioned with the Giants, you mentioned them having a you know a, a good pass catching tight end who they drafted last year, and that's that's a good segue into what I was talking about when you called in, just to get away from the draft a little bit, but to get but to talk about some players who even though they're not draft picks, they're still young unproven guys who didn't for one reason or another didn't get a lot of reps last year, whether it was injuries or or you know just being buried on the depth chart, but. Uh, you know, for the Jets and the first name I went over um, and just to get your thoughts, uh, what, where you think the team is with him right now and whether or not he can be a good player in a, the tight end, Jordan Leggett, who they drafted last year.
2: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. And and I only got to just about another minute or two. I I'm on deadline. So I stopped away guys. So I apologize. Just,
0: just talk if about Jordan chip, Leggett but, and we can but, let you go.
2: Yeah. J- Jordan Leggett, somebody who, um, you know, kind of had a little bit of an up and down career in college, got banged up, Uh, A little bit here or there Never really realized his full potential I think he went through a couple different Offensive coordinators, that didn't help either I like his size, I like his frame I think he needed to put on Another 10 or 15 pounds to be tight end ready in the NFL. Is that is that fair? I I think that's kind of fair. He came in a little bit I thought, you know, with not necessarily some great weight on him, needed to put on mm-hmm. a little bit of bulk. Really like him uh his potential, I think. He's he's a hard-working kid. Overall, didn't always have that reputation, I know, but I you right. know, from the people you talk with in the Jets organization, he's doing the right thing. It's amazing sometimes when we do these talent evaluations, we talk about a guy being lazy or not being dedicated or not being in it. You flash a paycheck in front of the guy and say, there's a whole lot more coming after this it's amazing how motivated someone can be. So I kind of scoff a little bit at the, at the lack of motivation line that sometimes emerges. I think he could be a great pass catching tight end to me. His ceiling is much higher than Jeff Cumberland's was. And I was a big fan of Jeff Cumberland. I remember watching him when he came out, I guess it was 2010, 2011 Yep, catching a yep. touchdown in the back of the end zone from Mark Sanchez in in a training camp and going, wow, you know this guy needs a little time in the weight room. He needs to down yeah, a couple of pounds. I he was a better
0: player. I, I liked his skill set.
2: Yeah, and, and I still think he's you know he's turned out a fairly decent NFL career for a guy who switched back and forth between being wide receiver and tight end about a half dozen times at Illinois. That's not easy. Uh, Jordan Leggett yep. has similar athleticism, I think. Really like the way that he rises up, catches the ball at its highest point. Not the fastest, not the speediest guy, always a good straight line speed, but not necessarily elusive. To me, he's somebody who I think can step in next year uh, and, and instantly provide not just depth, but be a legitimate over-the-middle kind of tight end for the Jets. I thought it was a great draft pick last year. I'm very high on him. I, I think he's good, and I, I think the cornerback Xavier Coleman is going to be someone else to watch. Those two guys have an awful lot of potential to step up for the Jets
0: this year. Were you? We, I know you got to go, Christian, but were you listening? Because he was my number two.
2: <laughs> well, I, we're we're on the same page then tonight. Now, I I the yeah, tail end. I caught I, the cheerle- tail cheerle- end, but I wasn't sure when you, when you called in. in. <laughs> well, good minds, right? Now, listen, Col- Coleman is somebody who, uh, and I caught the tail end of what you were saying, but uh, kind of makes up for his lack of size with good athleticism, good break to the ball. Uh, he, again, someone else who's had some injury concerns, but if he can stay healthy, stay on the field, I don't see any reason why he can't be that kind of uh, Dwight Coleman uh Yep. Uh, Dwight Lowry kind of guy that was here with the Jets who could fill in a number number of positions, nickelback, maybe play a little outside in the pinch. Um, listen, at the end of the day, you've, you've got to do what's right and, and stay on the field and be healthy, but awfully big upside for those two guys.
0: All right, agree 100%. Christian, thank you very much for joining us, and we look forward to hearing more from you in the future. Have a great night.
2: Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. Take care, guys.
0: Thank you. All right, so that was Christian Dyer of Metro. Christian covers, uh, he does some some soccer stuff, but he has also covered the Jets historically. He does cover them as well at the moment. Matter of fact, I think Christian, who was it, a couple couple weeks ago, broke a story about some interest that the Jets had in a free agent pass rusher. The name escapes me at the moment. As it turned out, he didn't sign. But, yeah, still does some nice work with the Jets, covering the Jets. And uh, give him a follow on Twitter. Christian Dyer does a really good job. Good friend of the show, and uh, as as we said, he uh, or as he was just saying Xavier Coleman, one of his guys that uh, he thinks could make this team and and make an impact. I couldn't agree more. Uh, we'll go over one or two more names, and then then we'll call it a night. This is this is the last few minutes of Jet Nation Radio before we come on the air and talk actual real life draft picks, not 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 enough with the maybes, enough with the mocks. Let's get on with the picks. So just a couple days away from that. I'm going to throw two more names out there of guys that uh that didn't get a lot of action last year and uh and they could this year and and they could, you know, in all reality, have a have a big impact. But uh w- one of the more interesting guys and this is, you know, Sometimes you see stuff happen, you see stuff unfold that you think, man, I'd love to be a fly on the wall at Florham Park and, and find out what, what's Todd Bowles and his coaching staff saying about this guy. What's Mike McCagnon, you know, when, when Todd Bowles is in his office, when he's out on the practice field with Todd Bowles, what are they saying about this guy? Because the Jets went out and gave up a draft pick to acquire Rashard Robinson from the San Francisco 49ers last year. LSU product, excellent size, 6'2", 180, fast, he's good speed. Struggled a little bit with the Niners. You know, started out the season as their starting corner, ended up getting getting benched. The Jets thought they saw something in him they could do something with him. They traded, I think up a 5th, 6th, whatever it was, 5th round pick. And uh and then then the guy disappeared. they didn't play him for like his first 3-4 weeks. I don't think he played a snap. And I'm, you know, that was one of the few moments where I thought is there a legitimate disconnect here between Mike McKagan and Todd Bowles? Because Mike McKagan just gave up a draft pick for this guy. The team is going nowhere. It was late in the year. We knew they were out of the playoffs. And he couldn't get on the field. And then they finally play him against Kansas City. And he gets. they put him up against, was it Hunt? Who was it? I can't remember off the top of my head. But they put him out there against one of the fastest receivers in the NFL, and he gets smoked, you know. I mean, look, when you have not played in a few weeks, three, four, five weeks, however long it was, it felt like forever. It may have only been three weeks. But when it's, you know, when you've not played in the system, and maybe that's what it was, maybe they're integrating him, but really you would think they would, if Todd Bowles wanted him out there, they could have a, pa- you know, a few packages, hey, the next, you know, next series or, You know, as as you're alternating guys out, pulling, pulling guys off the field and putting new guys in, put them in there to do something you think he does well. You know, I mean, who's better than that than Bill Belichick? See, guys, you know, put it. Hey, what do you do well? That's what we're gonna have you do. But there was none of that. He just didn't get on the field. And he finally gets on the field. Sorry, finally gets on the field, and and he looked terrible. And it's it's like you know, you you did just give up a pick. You did you did just give up a pick for the guy. You had to see something you liked. Somebody saw something they liked, but for whatever reason, it was uh, he was just really, just kind of hanging out, getting a paycheck. Didn't appear in many games, and uh, what do you have? I think it was one start. I mean, he you know he played in special teams. You know, he, it wasn't he wasn't getting in games at all, but his defensive snaps were were way down. And you know why? I have no idea. Again, you would think, okay, prototypical guy, type of player Bulls likes, but um, just didn't get any action. But for, given his age, his skill set, you would you would think that at some point, And by the way, it was Tyreek Hill that uh, that toasted him. I think Hill had a couple a couple deep touchdown passes. One of them was 80 yards, I want to say i been sitting here racking my brain trying to remember who it was that smoked him. But, uh, yeah, Tyreek Hill, but, you know, he's one of the fastest guys in the league. And, you know, his snap counts were basically nil other than that game. So is he a guy that they gave up a draft pick for, and now he's going to be gone after a half a season? Because they got a lot of corners in camp. I wouldn't be surprised if they grab another one. You know, Daryl Roberts still around. They took Derek Jones last year, who's a similar type guy in terms of body type, six two one eighty eight. We talked about Coleman, Jeremy Clark's another pick, and of course Claiborne isn't going anywhere. So there's only so many spots, but Richard Robinson, I, you know, he, he's a guy that I have high hopes for. Um, am I am, am I saying I think he's a lock to make the roster? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I think that. Uh, I think he's the guy who's going to be on the outside looking in when all's said and done. But, again, LSU product, DB, you would hope he can come into his own and become a contributor, and uh, eventually we'll find out if that's the case. But uh, one more guy, one one more guy I want to talk about. We're all familiar with him. Uh, again, as we've said, or as I've said a few times, a lot of these guys are just guys who couldn't get on the field because of injury. Um. And this guy feels a big need in Dylan Donahue. Now we know he's been in the news this off season for getting a DUI in New York, only to find out he had another DUI a few. What was it? Like within a week of being drafted, which was. I mean, let's face it, that's very discouraging. That's the type of stuff you don't want to hear. Only played in a few games, but go back if, if you have the All Twenty Two on NFL.com. Or even if you don't you know, even just if you can find it online. Go back and watch that Miami game that he played. Uh when he went up against Laramie Tunzel and he didn't look that bad. Dylan Donahue, you know, got some pressure. And again, this is a young guy who's got some he's got some work to do. He's a developmental guy. I don't think anybody disagrees with that. He only had a few tackles, but again he only played in a few games. But you really you saw just in just a couple of plays you know, as much as the Jets need an edge rusher against the Dolphins, he didn't look bad at all. And I think that he's a guy, if he gets his act together, you know, uh, Chris Johnson, Christopher Johnson, he said himself, he said, listen, you know, we don't, uh, we're going to work with these guys that are having these issues, with, you know, whether it's Robbie Anderson with his run ins with the police or Dylan Donahue with his run ins with the police. He said, uh, we're going to have some, we're going to support these guys. But our patience is not infinite, um, and and at some point, that, you know, he's basically saying it's got to stop. They got to grow up. They have to pull their collective heads out of their asses, and uh, and and make it work and stay on the field and and stop doing dumb stuff. So Dylan Donahue and Robbie Anderson both in the same boat in that sense. But Robbie Anderson is a guy who's shown he can play. Dylan Donahue is a guy who might be able to play, and we'll find out I think next year. And I, I think, again, I, and I said this, and uh, it, was, it was evident at camp last year that Dylan Donahue and Kevin Green were, were quite close in training camp. I think Kevin Green, just as I was saying with Christian, John Elway and the Josh Allen thing, I think Kevin Green sees a lot of Dylan Donahue in himself, high-motor guy um, who gets to the quarterback off the edge. So I think he'll be given every opportunity. And don't write the guy off. Don't write him off. Uh, it's too early, way too early. Again, he's done some dumb stuff. There's no excuse for it. I'm not making excuses for him. If the team were to cut him tomorrow and cite that as the reason, which let's face it, that's not going to happen. I can totally understand it, but I don't. You know, I mean, the team's made it clear they're going to give him a shot. I hope he gets. His, I hope he gets his uh, life together. And let's not uh, let's not write the guy off just yet. I think he can still be a good player. I think that uh, he's going to get the opportunity to prove that. And let's face it, it's, it's been a huge need. But, its let's, I mean, don't get me wrong, the Jets are still going to have to address the edge and edge rusher in this draft. But in just looking at the roster and looking at some guys who, man, didn't see that guy as much as I thought we would have last year. Or, you know, why did this guy spend so much time on the bench? Or, you know, would this guy have been better without injuries? So th- those are a few guys that come to mind. There are some more. I'm going to throw a piece together, an article, and throw it up on Jet Nation uh, today or tomorrow. But um, but that's going to wrap this show up, folks. That's going to wrap things up. And as much as I love sitting here talking, pitching, pontificating about this team, its future, its current state, I am could not be happier that uh, that this is the final show for Jet Nation and for you guys before the NFL draft, and uh, it's going to be here in just a couple days, folks, and we get to talk about the real thing. So have a great night. Thank you so much for tuning in. It is greatly appreciated, as always. And we look so forward to speaking to you in the coming days. Have a great night, guys. Bye-bye.